Hello and welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Wael Hattar. And with us in this episode is Alia Fatouh from Athar Gallery. Athar Gallery is one of the leading galleries in Saudi Arabia. They're based in Jeddah and they've been open for 10 years, I think. Is that correct? Actually, 11 years, yes. Yeah, time with COVID really, you know, you miss gaps in life. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so before we start about talking about Saudi and the art in Saudi and the gallery itself and its and the whole years of, of, of moving along, give the audiences a little bit about yourself because uh, Ali and I met in Dubai ages ago and then you moved to, to the States and then back. So let us know a little bit about your past. Yeah, so that's right. I did start my career, uh, my art career in Dubai, uh, working with the Third Line Gallery, which is a, a really amazing and one of the leading galleries in the Gulf. Um, and then I joined a Canvas magazine, uh, and there I worked on an education program for um, uh, the GCC as well, um, for young collectors and art enthusiasts, uh, as things were starting to develop in the art scene there. Um, Around what time was this as well? This is 2007 until 2010, 11. After that, I moved to New York and I uh, worked with Lombard Freed Gallery, which was uh, one of the only galleries who had an international program that's focused on socially engaged practices. Um, and By international, you mean that most of the galleries in the state just show American artists? American, European, yes, mostly. Uh, but uh, Lombard Freed was showing artists from South Africa and the Middle East and Central Asia and so uh, and Japan. And so it was really uh, a, a nice uh, spectrum um, of artists, uh, mostly young, so mostly discoveries. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, yeah, then my my I had I had a bit of a break from the art world and uh, set up a nuts business, <laughs> and then I moved. I, I joined Alexander Gray. Um, okay, I didn't know you were a little. How long was the gap for? I would say two years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you went a bit nuts. Yes, <laughs> setting up a cashew business. Is um, it still going. Actually, it is. My parents uh, continued it in Lebanon, and uh, it's still around, uh, mostly online because of the situation here right now. Yes. Okay, so online as in people can ship it anywhere? Yeah, they can. Um, yeah, so the, it's called Kaju, K-A-A-J-U, and uh, you can check our Instagram to see where we're distributing online on several platforms, including our own um, but yeah, so uh, after that, uh, went to um, work with Alexander Gray and then um, moved to Jeddah from, from New York um, to run Ether Gallery. Um, it was a very exciting time and is an exciting time for uh, Saudi because of, you know, all the changes that are happening and the... And so I wanted to be part of that, and uh, an institution like uh, Ether is very important for the scene, uh, locally and internationally, in disseminating you know um, knowledge around Saudi art and supporting the careers of many artists in on the scene on the ground. Yeah, there's a lot, that's, there's a lot been happening in, in Saudi, especially with the I guess cultural revolution that they've been having around. Um, not just the way that women are interacting with the, with the rest of the, of the city, of the country, 
but but also with um, with the support they're they're pushing, uh, with the support they're putting behind a lot of the art fairs and, and art weeks, and I'm not talking about just art, but even when they get into cinema and film, they're really opening up. So I can assume it's it's a it's a very buzzing and active uh, situation now in all of Saudi, whether it's Jeddah or or Riyadh. That's right. Yeah, it's been. Uh, it felt since I've moved there, it felt like being on a bullet train. Mm-hmm. Uh, the speed at which this uh, change is happening is uh, unlike any I've ever, you know, experienced. Uh, because actually 2006 in Dubai kind of had the same vibe where it was the beginning of something. And so um, until COVID, unfortunately, you know, COVID slowed everything down. But until then, there was a, a really incredible uh, moment of uh, openness and excitement and uh, kind of letting guards down a little bit uh, for for the creative scene. Um, And a lot of investment uh, in terms of effort or funding uh, to uh, build an industry, a cultural uh, landscape with museums and... um, collections and uh, festivals like you mentioned there's the Red Sea Film Festival that was created for cinema um, and art weeks and all of that so um, and of course but but let's be fair the biggest biggest buzz everyone heard about was all the concerts that were happening I know it's not necessarily the art chat we're having but did you go to any how was it Yes, I made it made sure to go to as many as I could uh, because I wanted to see what it looks like um, and how Saudis would interact and and be in a public space like that with uh, music and uh, it was uh, really quite an experience. The excitement in the air is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just wonderful. But uh, of course, you know, um, modernity is not just about um, concerts. And so um, there's there's a very important work to be done that takes much longer than concerts. And, uh, uh, and that's interesting because it has to take its course. Then how about we start from here and move a little backwards, right? Because as, as you said, Arthur has been, uh, been there for 11 years now. And... And you're talking about how people's interaction, public, and all those spaces. So let's talk about right now, well, not, I guess, non COVID right now, but the interaction with the art fairs and the art weeks and those are that are really opening up to everybody. And then move backwards, as in how, how was it a few years before? Because when it comes to kind of my end of it, I had met Athar and a lot of other Saudi Arabian galleries when they were coming to Art Dubai or Art Abu Dhabi or even sometimes in foreign fairs around the world. So I think when one of them, I think half of them might, might have come to Beirut at one point as well. So, so yes, there was a lot of that happening way before Saudi was ever really taken seriously as, as an art space or their artists were taken, were as placed. I mean, it's only been happening in the past five or six years where they've been really getting on, on that debate. So, so starting backwards, like now when people do go to art fairs, the, how are they absorbing the public art and the art fairs that are there for everybody? So uh, as of now, there's no art fair in Saudi. Uh, but yes, there's uh, things like Desert X and 2139, uh, Jada Art Week. Um, Riyadh has uh, Dar'iya uh, and, and MISC uh, and the Ministry of Culture, of course, that are very active. 
Um, I would say that the interaction uh, with art and the proximity to art, uh, I think the reaction is a lot of curiosity and uh, genuine uh, interest to learn and to uh, be exposed to it. Um, but it remains a very small pool of people, and I think that's important to, to keep in mind. Um, so we're not talking about very large audiences. It's still... Uh, feels selective um, and it's not really penetrating into uh, broad audiences just yet. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, it, but it's natural. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it'll come. Yeah. Um, so how did, if you give us some little back, back history of it at Third Gallery, how did that happen in a sense? Why did they have decided to open, it, open up this gallery and kind of really push it in a and at that time, 11 years ago, there wasn't anybody else kind of taking it into this international style. Um, and then how did that shift when they started bringing somebody like you on board? Mm -hmm. So what are, the what are the changes in their, in their mind in the business? Because it is a business of the art world. They're not a museum. It's a gallery that supports artists and sells their work both locally, regionally, internationally. Yeah, so it's a very... Um Interesting story, actually, because um, Hamza Sayrafi uh, and Muhammad Hafiz, who founded the gallery, uh, were both... So Hamza Sayrafi had been interested in art even before then, and Muhammad Hafiz got exposed to contemporary art uh, through Art Dubai. So what happened is that there was a moment in the Gulf because of Art Dubai and also because of Edge of Arabia, which was uh, born right around that time. Um, and Edge of Arabia started promoting Saudi artists and Ahmed Mater and Stephen Stapleton were behind it, along with a group of artists who uh, want, or got organized around this uh, entity to promote their work internationally. And so, and so Muhammad Hafiz uh, and Hamza Sayrafi decided to represent uh, Saudi artists and really focus on promoting... Uh, the talent that they have there. Um, and yes, I, I believe nobody else was doing it at the time. And so basically, um, Ether was uh, spearheading, uh, showing, showcasing Saudi art internationally. Uh, actually, before they uh, started doing fairs, not many people had heard of Saudi art. You know, it wasn't something on people's uh, mind at all. And so they allowed uh, the world to discover Saudi art. Uh, so that was really an important role, ambassadorial role for them to play on an international level. And then locally, they had a very important role in supporting careers and basically proving to artists that you can make a life, a, a life out of uh, uh, being an artist. And so really encouraging uh, men and women to uh, adopt this as their uh, career um, and placing them in museums and, and placing them in international exhibitions um, and museum shows. And so the way things evolved as well is a few years down the line, again, Muhammad and Hamza formed alongside several other patrons from Saudi, mostly from Jeddah, something called 2139, which is basically a non-profit uh, entity that 
was organizing annual exhibitions and an education program and a trip around the exhibition for the international scene to discover, to come and discover uh, what's happening there. Because uh, I, I believe most people forget how big Saudi is, and that's a very important factor, especially in the, in the Gulf uh, landscape. They have a population of 33 million or 30 million. And so they have, uh, you know, locally born talent as opposed to uh, a majority of expats. And so that in itself shapes the society. And so you do have a big creative community, which varies from musicians, filmmakers, actors, uh, DJs, VJs, uh, uh, and of course, all kinds of artists. And so they have a lot of local talent. Um, and funny enough, I remember from, from, from our older artists who, who were Saudi Arabian, they had to kind of be represented by Emirati galleries that were around because there, there weren't as many. Um, but, but also when, you, when, when Athar started, they did have one or two kind of startists, uh, for lack of a better word, these kind of these stars that popped up. Because I remember Ahmad Matar's work really kind of... Uh, took a lot of interest from a lot of people because it was, and we can get into that later on, but it was showing Saudi unabashedfully, but from a Saudi Arabian, and they could do that. His, his whole kind of play on that petrol, that the people, or even kind of some of the more religious stuff, it was, it was unique, I guess, uh, and brave, and that people, I guess, who, who maybe who are not Saudi in, enough would, would have the bravery to present... Uh, religion maybe in a different way. And I'd like to talk about that further on when we get to some of your younger artists. But having, did Ahmad Matar or the artists uh, or his peers at that time help Athar gain more validity or was it or is it Athar showed them and then they is egg and chicken? How did that work yeah. or did it with the both? So that's an interesting question because it goes back to how the gallery started. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the way it started is they went to, before they even had a space, mm -hmm. they went to, uh, the Edge of Arabia artists, like I said, like Ahmed Matir, Ayman Yusri, Daydaban also was part of them. Um, um, Abdel Nasser Gharim also was part of that group. And they went and told them, okay, we're opening a gallery. Who wants to be represented <laughs> by us, you know? And I think what, uh, I think only Ayman Yusri said yes. <laughs> uh, but then everybody else joined. Um, but like you're saying, so these artists already had built a name, a, a somewhat of a name for themselves. And so that brought uh, legitimacy and following to the gallery. And then it got reversed, obviously, with the work that they did. They established themselves as a gallery, a reputable gallery with a solid program and conceptual artists who were working, to go back to your point, it's not... It's very daring what they were doing, and of course they got in trouble a few times for what they showed. And uh, but they, but they also were very smart in how they navigated uh, what's possible, what was possible, and what wasn't. Uh, in the sense that they were pushing the envelope very, very gently by knowing how to do that, understanding the language, and that's why being from there, understanding the nuances is very important. Uh, but they kept pushing the, the, the agenda and uh, the artists, of course, themselves developed a language that 
was able to again navigate that uh, sphere? Uh, uh, yes, because I think all the, these artists and the gallery itself have a have a pride in their Saudiness, so yes. they're not embarrassed about being Arab, and this pride gives them this bravery to actually be able to show the world and their peers of this is me who is a Saudi Arabian person and this is my art that is contemporary art mm. and this is its look which is both contemporary and Saudi Arabian without having mm. to be that niche that everyone expects from the Orientalist mm. look at Saudi mm. which we saw a lot in the Emirates before but I guess mm. that happening uh, in the Arab world around has been pushing the envelope but Saudi was that last mm. block left and now that it's opened up it's a way that people can Yes, um, I think the you know the reason why there's so much talent in Saudi is because there's uh, there are classes there there's a middle class there's uh, an upper class there's and so you do have a struggle and I do believe that with struggle with mm. and 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 education you know these are people who are educated. Uh, you do have a certain intellect that develops and that triggers a way of thinking and doing things. Um, and so, um, yes, the, these artists um, didn't do what was necessarily expected visually of, of uh, what you would expect yeah, of Saudi art. Uh, they've actually adopted video quite massively. So you have a lot of video artists in Saudi um, but you also have, you know, these artists have all been working in a conceptual way. But you also have a lot of traditional things, of course, you know, like the calligraphy. And, um, and that's pretty spread. Um, and you do have a lot of artists who tackle uh, religion. And, and But what's interesting, again, about their work is that they are very proud of being Saudi indeed and about their culture and their roots. And so even when they're criticizing something, they do go back to their roots and to the, the culture and the, the kind of the, this Arab, Arabic aspect of the culture is very present. Then I guess this is a good, way, good segue to go into the young artists you guys have now in the gallery versus the, the, some of the names you had mentioned earlier. You do have, from what I've seen, a lot of kind of early 20s even artists. So first of all, how do you get them? How do you... Uh, they're, of course, they're, they're, they, they think differently than, than the more established artists around. But, but how, how is it, what does the gallery do now where it's actually developing artists' careers as well as just managing them? One way the gallery has been finding and discovering Saudi artists is through a, an annual, or used to be biannual, a show called uh, YSA, Young Saudi Artists. It's a riff of um, YBAs. And, um, <laughs> and so it's an open call, and artists apply from all over the country. And because Ether became so established, there was a real interest from so many young artists to apply. Oh, okay, that's and so that's how they were able to, to discover a lot of artists like Dana Awartani, Nasser Salim, Basma Filimban, and, and Riman Nasser, and so many artists. Um, so I guess that's a, that's a good hint for, for young artists in Saudi to, to listen and apply to the YSA, and maybe some gallery will pick you up. <laughs> so now that you have these uh, young artists, and I know it's very different with how you interact with them versus the more established ones, how does how does that go about for you guys? What do you where, where do you what do you take them? What do you do with them? How do you help them grow? 
Yeah. Um, so, for example, one of the ways we um, increase their exposure is through this twenty one thirty nine trip by inviting curators and journalists and writers and and collectors to uh, do studio visits with them. So we encourage them to open up their studios and we uh, encourage them to talk about their work, uh, but also uh, sending them on residency programs. Uh, when I joined the gallery, I partnered with uh, six uh, residency programs uh, in Paris and Barcelona and um, in um, New York um, and Berlin wow. um, and so we sent six artists on residencies uh, so that's definitely an, a fantastic way for them to uh, be exposed to art from around the world mm -hmm. but also to talk to curators and talk about their work because that's a very important point um, another way is, of course, you know, uh, placing their work in uh, important collections, public and private, building a following and um, placing them in exhibitions. And so, um, yeah, that's, you know, that's how the, you get the ball rolling and then and publishing, because uh, with every exhibition, we publish a, a small booklet about the, the show. And this is extremely important because you're creating uh, knowledge and you're giving people uh, something really important to refer to uh, so that uh, there's literature around them. Um, there used to be art exhibitions in Saudi in the 60s. Um, so this is, uh, you know, not the first time Saudi sees exhibitions. Uh, but in this consistency and, uh, yes, that amount of, of uh, literature making, yeah, I would say yes. Yeah, no, that's understandable. I mean, if you compare it to the Emirates, there were societies of, of artists in the 60s and 70s and 80s, but, but there was no industry around it. It was art for art's sake, which is brilliant to have, but it, it wasn't pushed. It wasn't, the, the, pe the audiences didn't, have to quote unquote pay for anything as well, so there's more kind of a building of a community because ultimately, as a, as a, when you, when you're an artist, you create art, but you need patrons to support your art and develop it, mm -hmm. you know. And we can't just uh, and that's I guess something that we're all working building on here. You can't depend on international people buying your art if your art, if your people aren't interested in buying your own art. Then what? Then what's the point of creating the art? So having this continuous gallery. And I, although it is commercial in its sense, but it, it still is building an interest, building the knowledge, like you said, and that kind of grows the the, the fuller view of it. Yes, in fact, uh, Ether played a role much bigger than a, a regular uh, commercial gallery. It became like an art center with a lot of educational programs and public programming, um, and and it became a, a meeting point for the creative scene. So, so its role changed. Yes, its role uh, changed, but it was like that from the beginning because of the lack of infrastructure mm -hmm. in art and culture. So they had to play the role of the institution, the, the Kunsthalle, in a way, uh, while being commercial. Um, and, and so, yeah, they, they, that's the role that they always played. And has their role changed a lot since they started? I mean, or is it just been a steady evolution or are there some big shifts that happened the past couple of years? Yes, actually, the role uh, of Ether has been shifting, of course, because the, the, the data around it has changed, you know, the, yes. the landscape has changed. 
And so uh, as of two years ago, there's a Ministry of Culture, uh, which didn't exist before. Uh, and they've been doing a lot of work that um, Ether was doing or needed to be done. And so kind of relieving Ether from a few of its uh, responsibilities, um, but also bringing in a lot of new uh things on the table. So we started doing a lot of projects with the Ministry of Culture, um, such as setting up a residency program um, and and uh, exhibitions and things like that. So that's something we didn't used to do. Um, and at the same time, we were also able to uh, perhaps do uh, less educational things and, and more focus, uh, focus more on uh, exhibitions and uh, what regular commercial galleries do and art fairs, uh, which we've always done, but, you know, we, we could do that as well. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, well, okay. now that we've talked about all the serious stuff, I'd like to talk about the, the trouble you guys get, got into because you mentioned that sometimes the gallery got in trouble. But before we get into the gossipy bit of it, I do actually want to, to talk about uh, something you also mentioned earlier, which is language and religion. Um, uh, a lot of the younger artists that you have, and you can see that on, on, on their website of uh, atherart.com, is, is they do create work that has religion or, or Arabic culture at, at the base of it, and then they re-visualize it or re-understand it and present it to us in, in, a, in an interesting way. And of course, if, if, the, if the gallery itself didn't support these artists, they wouldn't be uh, brave enough to, to do this. So give us a little background on that. Oh, I mean, has, is it just accidental? Is it just how kids, kids are these days? Or is it, is, it, is it this freedom that the gallery is pushing these artists? Or are you asking them to, to create art this way? No, of course, we don't ask artists to create art in any particular way. Um, but you have to, of course, remember that uh, religion plays a very important role and a very big role in Saudi, which is the epicenter of Islam. And so uh, it's very present in everyday life and in uh, um, customs and, and habits and in the way uh, society is organized. Um, and so artists, you know, it's kind of the elephant in the room if you don't talk about it. Um, and they talk about it in a very um, respectful way and, uh, and sometimes uh, challenging uh, s certain values and certain sets of beliefs. Um, and so it's, you know, but, but it's not particular to the young generation. Uh, this is uh, across the board. We see that. Um, yeah. So we have artists, for example, like Basma Filimban, Nasir Salim, Dan Awatani, Sultan Bin Fahed, who has a show uh, that opened October 15 and will be up until December 15 uh, at the Fondazione Alda Fendi in Rome. And uh, the subject of the exhibition is about specifically about, you know, beliefs and, and religions and uh, coexistence um, and how we're all, you know, we all interpret our beliefs the way we, uh, we should all interpret them the way we want and practice. Um, 
uh, in a tolerant way. And um, yeah, it's a very timely, uh, very timely show, especially when you look at uh, how the relationship of uh, the Arab countries is evolving uh, around the Israeli issue. And so, um, because, you know, we, we're talking about these uh, religions, mono, monotheistic religions uh, and their coexistence. Um, and this is, in a way, what it's all about. So, um, yeah, they, uh, it's a very present subject and it's interpreted in very abstract ways sometimes. It's in, in a very romantic way and other times uh, very conceptual. So there's different forms of expressing this relationship to religion and, and customs. What are the new projects that you guys are into or what can you tell us that's kind of coming up in 2021 as a as an overall feel any big things that you can discuss um yes we're working on a, a very important light exhibition uh, as part of a light festival um that is uh bringing basically tracing the history of light art uh from you know dan flavin and uh um, Yayo Kusama and other artists uh, and so we're organizing that uh, and of course we were very keen and uh, championed having uh, Lebanese, Middle Eastern and Saudi artists in this historical exhibition and commissioning several Saudi artists to do work uh, for the show and so that's a, a big project that we have in March coming up. Um, we are also, I think, I believe we have several artists participating in the, in the biennial, the uh, Daraya biennial that opens in December. And of course, we're opening a, a series of exhibitions in March uh, alongside 2139, this upcoming edition. Well, that's definitely quite exciting. And and, and, and and with that, the you had mentioned earlier that there was a large video uh, exhibition uh, on the beginning of, of the year. Is there any way we can see this online or visuals of it? Or how can people talk, get information about all the stuff that you mentioned, as well as the 2139, the, the art fairs that are there? Where can we get this information for people who are not in Saudi? Yes, so uh, regarding our video show, you can find a lot of the videos that we played on our IGTV, on our Instagram account, Ether Art. Um, and for the rest of the exhibitions, like 2139, uh, you can go on Saudi uh, SaudiArtCouncil.com. I can't remember if it's .com or .org. Uh, but it's, yeah, Saudi um, Art Council, and there's all the information there about previous editions, and uh, I think they're prepping to announce the next edition as well. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So as we were talking about the future and the past, but now we're all stuck in a weird in-between place. How has this COVID, COVID epidemic affected you guys as it affected everybody else? We decided to uh, come up with a fundraising uh, initiative to support the local art scene and artists who were struggling uh, because they either lost their jobs and uh, can't afford uh, housing or studios anymore or their material. And so um, we started uh, an initiative called MAN, uh, maneditions.com. 
And we're basically selling seven artists uh, edition work um, to support grants. And so artists and creatives in general can apply to get the grants and um, they're micro grants basically. That's something that we did and it of course affected our programming so we had to stop the exhibition program and uh, so we focus on more of the back end of uh, of the gallery and did some restructuring um, of the team and uh, we are still in COVID period <laughs> so we are still uh, being affected and um, as you know I'm working remotely um, so that's one of the ways you know we've been dealing with this um, yeah, and we have a new uh, partner, in fact, at the gallery called Ahmed Zaydan, who joined Mohammed and Hamza uh, this year. And so uh, bringing in uh, his architectural background uh, and expanding more on projects. And so uh, the gallery is going to be able to take on uh, more projects while um, Hamad and Hamza focus on uh, the gallery aspect of things, um, along other things as well, uh, of course. Yeah, that's a that's a very good initiative as well as all the things that you guys have been doing. Um, so I'm assuming that everyone who wants to apply to Man uh, can find it through uh, your website, correct? No, it's actually on maneditions.com. So that's maneditions, M-A-A-N editions.com. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Alia Fatouh, for uh, having this conversation with us and telling us a little bit about. Uh, Saudi art uh, landscape as well as other gallery throughout the years uh, and you can check out more information on the website which is atharart a-t-h-r-a-r-t dot com atharart.com and as well and from that you can see all the social media and the rest of the uh, links that you can find on our pages as well so thank you very much Alia for uh, having this conversation thank you Al. it's been a pleasure <laughs> and looking forward for all your shows and hopefully adding another Saudi artist to my collection. Thank you all for listening. Uh, you can always find us on Tea with Culture on Instagram or Twitter. And you can always find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Rami Listen Notes, and Spotify. So we're everywhere on the internet. Woohoo! All right. Have a great time and goodbye. <laughs>